Tomorrow is the beginning of a new school year. Uh, all the children and youth are so excited, right? Yay, school! Uh, yeah, I thought I would get a boo or something like that. In honor of the occasion, especially since uh, my son Will is taking geometry this year, I thought I would give you a geometry lesson to get him started a little early. We're going to learn about the transitive po uh, property. And when I was in school, the two years that I took geometry, because I failed it the first time, uh, my geometry teacher would always say, when in doubt, guess the transitive property. Well, I was in doubt a lot, I guess, the transitive property, and it didn't get me through the first time. But I learned the transitive property. It is, if A equals B and B equals C, then you know what it is. A equals C. So that's the transitive property. And uh, we have been looking here at John 15 for some weeks. Uh, if you're visiting with us, it's our practice to work through books of the Bible. So that's what we're doing. We've been in John, um, the Gospel of John now for over a year. And uh, we've been in chapter 15 for for a few weeks and been, have been learning about the vine and the branches. And this um, metaphor of the vine and the branches teaches us about our union with Christ. Verse 10 uh, is the jumping off point for verse 12. In verse 10, Jesus said, If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. And so we talked about that last week. But He narrows down in verse 12. He talks about obeying His commandments, but verse 12, this, He says, is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Here's where the transitive property comes in. He says this in verse 12 about His command that we love each other just as He loved us. But look at verse 9. Verse 9, As the Father has loved Me, Jesus says, so I have loved you. Abide in My love. In other words, the Father loves Jesus and Jesus loves us like the Father loves Him. And so you are to love each other like Jesus loves you, verse 12. And so He's saying, transitive property at work, you are to love each other in the same way that your Heavenly Father loves you. That struck me when I thought about this and I saw this connection here. And what I realized was, therefore, the love of God which fills heaven and the love which we will experience for all eternity is to be witnessed here on earth as we love each other in the church. Or to simplify that a little bit, we can see God's love for us as it is practiced by our love for one another. 
because the love that we the love with which we are to love one another is the same love that Christ shows for us and the same love that the Father shows for Christ. You are not only to hear about the love of God when you come here to church, you are to experience it as you interact with each other because you are commanded, Jesus says in verse 12, to love each other as God loves us. So the church is no mere social club. The church is the place, the only place, where the love of God is revealed in the lives of God's people. This is a pretty heavy-duty requirement that He is laying upon us. So we need to understand what Jesus is requiring of us. Verse 12, we are to love like Jesus loves us. Jesus did not come here to teach us about the doctrine of God's love. Rather, He revealed the love of God. He revealed it by His life. His life was the embodiment of the love of God. What what did Jesus do to reveal the love of God? He loved ungrateful and unworthy sinners like us. He humbled Himself even going to the cross as a suffering servant. He gave Himself up to, to death on the cross for us. He lived and acted out the heart of God. So, now, how do you measure up to the love of God? Because the, your, the quality of your love for each other in this congregation is your testimony of your love for Christ. 1 John chapter 2, verses 9-11 through 11. Uh, The Apostle John says, Whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother is still in the darkness. Whoever loves his brother and abides in the light, and in him there is no cause for stumbling. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. And so if you hate your brother or sister in the Lord, if you are unwilling to love them, God says you do not have the love of the Father in you. And so, what we are to do is not simply tolerate one another. We are to love each other as Christ loved us. We are to love each other as the Father loves us. Jesus is saying that you may not hoard your resentments and your animosities. You may not hang on to your bitterness. You must give it up in order that you might love your brothers and sisters in the Lord Jesus Christ. Truth be told, not everyone here is easy to love. We're sinners. It's easy to rationalize that so-and-so is a whiner. So-and-so is a gossip. So-and-so is arrogant. So-and-so is immature. And I don't want to spend time with them. I don't want to hang around them. 
But that is no excuse. Jesus loved His disciples. And we've seen several times here in the Gospel of John just how immature His disciples were. How arrogant they were. How many times they would argue behind Jesus' back which one was the greatest. How little they trusted in Jesus. How many times they were selfish and self-centered. Yet He loved them even to the point of going to the cross. No one has any excuses for not loving your brother or sister in the Lord. In fact, verse 13 says, essentially to paraphrase, that you must love each other enough to die for each other here in this congregation. Look at verse 13. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. And what he's doing is he's teaching them about his love for them that they are to have for each other. So it's not good enough simply to tolerate difficult people. It's not good enough to do something nice for a person uh, every now and then. Verse 13 describes the quality of the love you are to show. Your love means your life will be a life of self-sacrifice for each other. Your love means that you will study how you can benefit each other in this congregation. Maybe even somebody that you don't know as well. You, God's calling you to see how you might be a blessing in that person's life. Your love means that your highest joy will be in serving God and serving others. And no, you cannot rationalize and say, okay, that's for everybody else in the church. But my husband or my wife, my spouse, I don't know if I want to love them that much. I don't know if I want to serve them that much. No, this is for you as well, husbands and wives. In fact, let's consider it negatively. You must determine, or I guess we could say positively, um, you must determine not to let unkind words leave your lips regarding another if you are going to really love each other in this congregation. You must determine not to take offense easily, but always be ready to be long-suffering or to excuse someone who sins against you. One of my uh, professors in seminary, Paul Tripp, used to talk about how in the church, because we're sinners, we're going to splash each other um, with, with, with mud. Um, that's to be expected. Uh, we're a hospital for sinners. It means that we're going to have sinners here in our congregation. And so there has to be uh, a leading edge of forgiveness. A leading edge of welcoming each other and blessing, seeking to bless each other. So you must determine not to take offense easily because you will be offended since we are sinners. You must determine not to judge one another's motives, but rather, echoing 1 Corinthians 13, you must hope the best regarding people's intentions. You must determine to do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit but in humility count others as more significant than yourself. 
You must determine not to look only to your own interest, but also to the interest of others. Jesus is very serious about this. This is not optional. He says, this is my commandment. In verse 12. And then he bookends this passage in verse 17 by repeating it. Verse 17, These things I command you so that you will love one another. This very week, you may be called, uh, called on to love somebody that you don't particularly like. Or, even more difficult... You may be called on to love somebody who does not love you or like you. So this is difficult. But I want to remind you that Jesus loves you. He loves you so much that He died on the cross. Again, verse 13, Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. So if you struggle to love someone... Look to Jesus. He left the glory of heaven for you. He came to suffer for sinners, of which we all are sinners. He came um, to die for sinners. He came to take our sins upon Himself. So that 1 Corinthians 5.21 says, He who knew no sin became sin for us so that in Him we might be the righteousness of God. He came to bear the wrath of God in our place, in our behalf. Charles Spurgeon said, uh, Climb the mountain of Christ's love, witness His self-denying life and death, and breathe in His selfless affection for the souls of men, and we will live nobler and better lives as we love, as Christ loves us. And so the picture that Spurgeon was painting was of someone going up the mountain and breathing in the, uh, the, the, the clear, fresh um, air of Christ. Gaze upon Him. Look to Him. Remember His love for you. And it will help you to love others. And then in verse 14, he says, You are my friends if you do what I command you. And we addressed this last week. Uh, and so I'll just briefly mention, he's not saying you become his friends if you obey, but rather, because you are his friends, you're going to obey him. And I think part of what Jesus is, is telling his disciples here is, you're not simply a trophy of my grace. You know, you have your trophy, you put it on the mantle, and you see it maybe every now and then. And he's saying, that's not my relationship with you. I'm not just your Savior and you're the saved. Rather, you're my friend, he says. He brings us into his inner circle. The servant, he says in uh, verse 15, doesn't know why the master tells him to do something. But because we're his friends, because we're in his inner circle, he brings us close. He lets us know um, his, his will. 
because He cares about you. So verse 15, No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my Father I have made known to you. So what He's telling His disciples is we are to love each other. Look to Me uh, for your example of love and also look to Me by abiding in Me, going back to uh, verses 1-11. through 11, Abide in Me and you'll have the, uh, the life-giving power to love one another. But He's saying, I'm still the Lord even though I'm your friend. You'll obey My commandments. And you'll also understand why you are to obey because He's brought you so close uh, as a friend. So I want to make a few applications. Uh, First of all, um, this church does a pretty good job of loving each other. I am proud to be your pastor uh, in that respect especially. Um, One of the things I was thinking of doing is having the congregation... um, Raise your hands, all those who believe in infant baptism. And there would be, hopefully, a majority. But there would be how many do not believe in infant baptism. There would be a a fair number of you who do not hold to that uh, doctrine. Or um, how many of you think that the Great Tribulation is just about to happen? Or how many of you have believed that it has already happened a long time ago? And there would be a diversity of thought here. Or when Jesus is coming back, is He coming back very soon? Or is it still in the future? And there would be diversity of opinion. But I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand because I don't want to embarrass anybody. But you would see the diversity within this congregation. And yet, we love each other. We're committed to one another. You see in our congregation uh, diversity of, of backgrounds, diversity of race, diversity of, of economic situations. Uh, but yet we're a church family and we love each other and we care for each other. Um, it's it's uh, common these days to for churches to start if they're going to plant a church and they they determine the particular they do all kinds of studies here's the particular person we want to reach and they gear the whole ministry of the church around reaching that particular demographic and we have actively resisted that we haven't had any strategies like that because we simply want to be for Christ and we want to be for this community and we want to proclaim Christ to this community and we want to love each other unconditionally we want to love each other as Christ loves us that's why we talk about being a church family so often and so like I said I am very proud to be your pastor in that regard as I I get to see some of the behind the scenes um, care for the, that, that you exercise for one another. I get to hear about uh, someone stopping over to visit with someone or I get to sometimes be the go-between when someone will hand me a check and they'll say, do not say where this came from and pass it along to another person. And many uh, examples of that kind of thing go on all the time. But before we go patting ourselves on the back, I want you to look at verse 16. 
Verse 16, Jesus says, You did not choose Me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide. So that whatever you ask the Father in My name, He may give it to you. It's funny, once we, you see the electing grace of God in the Scriptures, you begin to see it everywhere. And so Jesus is saying, you didn't choose Me. In fact, He's emphatic in the Greek. Um, he is, it's especially emphatic. You did not choose Me. I chose you. And He chose us for a particular purpose, that we might bear fruit. One of the, the uh, implications here, which I've already been drawing out this entire sermon, is that He chose us not for our happiness and for, for, uh, for us to be happy, happy, happy all the time, time, time. He chose us for fruitfulness. He chose us to love each other. And we're going to see next week that He chose us so that as we love each other, as He has loved us, we, and we embody the love of God, we become a witness to the watching world. And this is the best way that we can show um, our community about the love of Christ is by loving each other. And we'll talk about that next week. But we are in Christ not because we're wonderful people. We are in Christ because He chose us uh, for Himself. And we are loving Christ because He chose us to bear fruit. He is the one who is making us fruitful. And so when you struggle to love someone, look to Him. In fact, He says here in verse um, 16 that whatever you uh, should pray for in His name, He will give it to you. We saw this last week as well from, uh, from uh, verses 6 and 7. But um, here He's saying, He's repeating it again. And I think specifically, if you have a hard time loving someone, that is a prayer that you should pray. God, help me to love that person. And you pray it in Jesus' name. In other words, praying His will. He will help you to love those people that you struggle to love. And so He chose you that you would bear fruit the fruit of love, fruit that will last. Let's pray together. Father, I thank You for choosing us for Yourself. And I thank You that You did not choose us simply to, um, to be true trophies of Your grace, but You tr chose us to be Your friends. And You chose us not to simply leave us as we were, but to change us and to make us fruitful. And Father, I thank You for the little slice of heaven that You have given to us here in this congregation, that we get to love each other as Christ loved us and continues to love us. But Father, we are sinners and none of us has ever for one moment 
truly loved as Christ has loved. And so we ask that You would help us to be better at loving each other. Be better at turning from our own interest to uh, serve the interest of others. To be better at sacrificing ourselves, our time, our talent, our, even our treasure for each other in this congregation in order that You might be glorified and in order that the world might know that You love sinners. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.